six games for Deshaun Watson. She determined he was predatory, he committed sexual assault, and he lied, and it was egregious. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to a special edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. It is Deshaun Watson Decision Day. I know we've talked about this for a long time. I'm going to get to it in a minute, get to my reactions right away and the way I think this has gone down and will go down with Deshaun Watson's penalty now out there for all to see. We are sponsored, as always, presented by DraftKings, and we're produced by Brian Neal, my music producer, Sam Brandt, and let's get right to it on a Brandt's Rants edition of the Business of Sports. Deshaun Watson, we find out this morning on Monday, August 1st, that his discipline has come out. It is six games. Judge Robinson has meted out this discipline. Who is she? Well, she is the independent hearing officer jointly named by the NFL and the NFLPA in assessing, determining, and meeting out discipline for the personal conduct policy. Let's explain that a little further before we go on. Traditionally, in collective bargaining agreements, the commissioner has had broad discretion to be what has been called judge, jury, and executioner. That has changed. Through a change in the 2020 collective bargaining agreement, the person hearing the discipline case is no longer Commissioner Goodell nor a designee of him. It is rather someone jointly appointed by the union and the league. That person is Judge Sue Robinson, a former federal judge from Delaware. This is her first case. This is the test case. So on June 27th, 8th, and 9th, she heard the case by the parties. Watson and his legal team, whether it be Rusty Harden or the NFLPA lawyers, and the NFL and its legal team argued the case. She requested post-hearing briefs. On July 12th, they were submitted and received. And on August 1st, we have the opinion. Let's talk about what the determination is. She determines that Watson did engage in the conduct that was he was accused of. She determined that he did have, sorry to be crude, an erect penis in some of these sessions, which he had denied. She determined that his conduct was egregious. Now it gets better or worse for Watson. She determined that Watson's behavior was predatory. That word is in the opinion, not just creepy, predatory. She determined that his behavior was sexual assault, that it rose to the level. And she determined he has violated the personal conduct policy. That is a given. Then it comes down to discipline. And when I've talked about discipline with this case, I have constantly referred to discipline for cases that were involving mistreatment of women domestic violence, sexual conduct, sexual assault, and cases that had big penalties, four, six, eight more games for commissions towards women, only one woman, and without criminal charges. In Watts's case, we have commissions towards multiple women. Forget about 24. There were four that testified in the hearing. So that's three more than most of these situations before. And there were determinations that there were no criminal charges, just like the other ones. 
And the determination from the judge was that, yes, he did violate these women. It was sexual assault. It was predatory. It was a violation of the personal conduct policy. So I assume if you read through that part, we're going to get a a punishment much bigger than the six games that Roethlisberger or Elliott or Josh Brown or Kareem Hunt got. But here is the rub. Without explanation, the determination is that this conduct was nonviolent. And by inverse, the conduct of others, though she does not mention other, who these others are that I mentioned, was violent. So I guess she's making the determination that since this was nonviolent sexual assault, nonviolent predatory behavior, nonviolent egregious behavior, we're not dealing with that precedent that I spoke of. Rather, we're dealing with precedent of another player who got the most sanctioned by the NFL of three game suspension. That player is not named in the report, in the opinion of Judge Robinson. I don't know. I don't want to ascribe it to a player though. I'm not sure who that player is, but she said, well, that was the most, that was three games. And here, although she doesn't say it this way, here's twice that six games for Deshaun Watson. Now, this is an interesting decision. I say it again. She determined he was predatory. He committed sexual assault and he lied. She believed the accusers. And it was egregious and admitted the NFL had never seen anything like this before. The NFL says, as she wrote in her opinion, there's never been a similarly situated player. Of course, they asked for this unique, unprecedented uh, sanction. But she says you can't do that. You can't change the rules post hoc, as she said, and ask for this big thing without notice to the union that you're going to increase it for this, these kind of actions. It's kind of a roundabout way of saying, scolding the NFL for not going to the union before Watson and saying, oh, by the way, if there's perverse, nonviolent sexual assault, that's going to be grist for a lot of suspension games. It is a weird decision. Now, again, now, both sides have an ability to appeal in the next three days, two days, depending on when you listen to this, to guess who? The commissioner. <laughs> so they can, the, N, the NFLPA, the union has already said preemptively before this came out last night, they're not going to appeal. And basically, they're calling on the NFL to do the same thing because, oh, why would, why would you want the NFL to exercise their CBA right to appeal? <laughs> of course, that's not going to mean a thing to the NFL that they put out that statement. And I wonder if the NFL is going to appeal. One would think maybe they will because they're not questioning the facts. The facts are he was predatory and he was egregious and he committed sexual assault. According to Judge Robinson, they would question the penalty and they would ask for a more strict penalty than six game suspension. We'll see if they appeal. I think they could appeal. I think they're grounds for appeal. But on the other hand, I think maybe they won't, either because of deference to Judge Robinson in her first case, respecting the process, not coming out as appeal after the first case like this, or ownership, Commissioner Goodell and others determine, we want the focus on the field. Let's leave this behind. I'm sure the Browns owner is telling them that. And let's get this out of the news and move on. 
We will see. The other nugget that came out from this opinion was that Judge Robinson mandated that Deshaun Watson stay with massage only with club approved therapists, not go out, not act out like he did on Instagram and other ways to get his massages. She put that in the opinion. As for a sanction, she said, well, it's a condition of reinstatement. But the reinstatement would be, I guess, after six games, even though she mandated this for his entire career. So that's a little strange. It's a career warning mandate to him to stay away from non-club approved massage therapists. The sanction is it's a condition of reinstatement. Now, if we get to the seventh game and we look at Watson, has he sought out massage? It seems like that's going to prevent reinstatement as a player for the Browns. Interesting little nugget there. So again, we're back to Judge Robinson. She thinks he's predatory. She thinks he did some sexual assault. She thinks his conduct was egregious and she is restraining him from the behavior that he did for a year with massage therapists. And she's believing the women that came forward in the hearing over him and saying he basically lied about his erections and not having them and about what he was doing. And again, this is the player that in the press conference for the Browns said he never disrespected women. He didn't do anything wrong. Okay. Where are we on this? This definition of nonviolent sexual assault I am sure there are women's groups everywhere that would take offense, and uh, not to mention the massage therapists who are victims of this, at this description of nonviolent. This seems odd, but the distinction was made. And there were reports that the NFL agreed that this was nonviolent. I didn't really see that in there. She did say it's undisputed, so that would mean that. But we have to go further into that. If the NFL appeals, I would think this would be the key area of appeal that they would discuss. If the NFL does not appeal, they are recognizing and they are agreeing, I suppose, that this was nonviolent conduct. It's odd. You would think that forcing massage therapists or whatever you want to call it, encouraging them, to, to work on his private parts, showing up for a massage that's not really a massage is some level of violence. But that does not be, that doesn't appear the case here. And that's the distinction made in my mind in reading through that, that we don't use the legal precedent of pick a name. Ezekiel Elliott, Ben Roethlisberger, Kareem Hunt, Josh Brown, Ray Rice, all of that put in a separate category than Watson and this unnamed player who got a three-game suspension, whereas Watson is getting twice that. The saga is over in terms of discipline. This has been going on a long time. On the money side, I've talked about this before. The Brown structure to deal with a $45 million signing bonus, that is not subject to suspension. That is free and clear given to Watson. He only has a million dollar salary of that million dollars, 350,000 is now subject to suspension. Therefore, for 2022, as it stands now without appeal, he will make $45.65 million. He'll be the third highest paid player in the NFL this year, behind only Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford, and he will play 35% of the games. 
It seems icky, for lack of a better word, that the money used to pay off the lawsuits, we also find out he settled four more lawsuits, bringing the count to 24 of 25 lawsuits now settled. The Texans have settled 30 lawsuits. That's 54 lawsuits arising out of Watson's behavior. Yet, it's a six-game suspension. We continue to see money being paid, and that money comes from the Texans last year and the Browns this year. So 54 lawsuits, money from those football contracts. Was there more to the Texan situation? Of course, they quote-unquote arranged for rooms at the Houstonian Hotel where perhaps these women were assaulted. We'll see if the NFL looks into that, and if the arranged for meant paid for, the Houston Texans have to answer a cap question about violations there. In the end, I've been very critical of the NFLPA for what I perceive to be deficiencies in the collective bargaining agreement over the years. You got to give kudos here. They did make some headway. On the commissioner power issue, this has long been something they've wanted to change for decades, and it goes all the way back to like 2009 when they tried to change the powers of Roger Goodell as judge, jury, and executioner. It finally happened in 2020, and it did make a difference for Deshaun Watson. There is no doubt in my mind if Roger Goodell was the one running the discipline here or his designee, they would get what they asked for from Judge Robinson, which is an indefinite suspension with ability to be request reinstatement after one year. That did not happen. Kudos to the union for their side in changing the process and allowing an independent judge to whittle away at the process and only give a six-game suspension. We'll see if they appeal. We'll see if this uh, sanction holds. But it is a fascinating case that Deshaun Watson is now subject to six-game suspension. He can practice training camp, play in training camp. He goes away once the rosters are set in early September. And, of course, he was cheered today. Fandom is a hell of a drug, and greater talent equals greater tolerance. That's where we're on Watson. We'll see, check back if we see an appeal. We'll know that in the next day or so. I would think there are grounds for appeal. I am not sure they will. I think if they do appeal, there will be an increased penalty. Having said that, I still think they may not appeal, either out of respect and deference to Judge Robinson, who they will deal with again, or the owners collectively, in this case, decide to move on and stop this, even though it probably wouldn't last much longer because it would be an expedited appeal. All right. That is my take on the Deshaun Watson decision that came out today. That is something that I think will linger, even though we think we're done with it. I'll have more on it. I'm going to get to Debo Samuel, and I want to talk about that in a minute. First, a word from a sponsor that I use every morning, Athletic Greens. I pop in a scoop into cold water every morning, gives him my greens. You know me, I'm a healthy guy. I work at it. Don't always eat the best and don't always get the greens, but this helps me do this. I wanted more energy. I wanted better gut health. I wanted to optimize my health and immune system. Didn't want to take a ton of vitamins, a ton of mineral uh, uh, supplements. So I incorporated IG into my life. Uh, It's there every morning. And It's just something that gives me better sleep quality, better recovery from my hard workouts. It's got all these great reviews from athletes, from people I admire in the business. And you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional source 
cheaper than getting all the supplements, costs less than $3 a day. So Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune immunity supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash BOS. That's for business and sports. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash BOS. Take ownership over your health. Pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance, just like I do, one scoop every morning. AG1, reclaim your health and arm your immune system with Athletic Greens. All right, my next rant is about Devo Samuel. The contract has happened, and since I talked to you last, a couple contracts have happened. Not only Debo, but DK Metcalf. I'm going to say it again. I've said it before. The story of the 2022 offseason in the business of the NFL is not Deshaun Watson. It's not Russell Wilson. It's not the quarterbacks. It is, well, it is Deshaun Watson's contract more so than his discipline. But it is the transformation of the wide receiver marketplace. We started with the vets, and I call them the vets. The guys who've been around and changed teams to lesser quarterbacks, but better situations, they felt. Tyreek Hill from KC to Miami. Devontae Adams from the Packers to the Raiders. Christian Kirk got the big contract in free agency from Jacksonville. And, of course, Cooper Cup got the big contract once that all had happened. I separate those guys because then I get to the second category, and that are the young guys. The guys from the 2018 draft. I'm sorry, 19 draft that played out 19, 20, and 21, and now are eligible for extensions. This hasn't happened. In other words, a receiver in a rookie contract has not matched the top veteran numbers as, as far as I've been studying this for a while or ever. It happened on draft night when the Eagles traded for A.J. Brown, a first and third round pick coordinated with that companion deal of a monster mega contract, a four-year extension with $25 million a year for the extension years. Now, that set off, to me, a change in the landscape for wide receivers. It's one thing for the veterans to get it, the Watsons and the Devontae Adamses, but this was a rookie, rookie contract, not a rookie, a rookie contract, where the Titans made the decision to move on to younger to another young player, a rookie, rather than pay their fourth-year star. And once that happened, the landscape had changed. The seal was broken on the 2019 draft class. Next up, Terry McLaurin, Washington Commanders. Next up, DK Metcalf, Seattle Seahawks. Next up, Debo Samuel. And this is what happens. Once A.J. Brown hit the number, $25 million a year over a four-year extension, stage is set. And basically, McLaurin, Debo, and Metcalf have all gotten similar deals. They're structured a little differently. Metcalf's got the biggest bonus at $30 million, But they're all a little under the $25 million that A.J. got on the extension years because these are smaller deals. I'm sorry, lesser, uh, shorter deals, three-year extensions for Debo and DK, and that's a good thing for them because they'll hit free agency again. They'll get another bite at the free agency apple at age 29, 30. Good on them for getting the shorter deals. At that position, with that productivity, they should get shorter deals. Now, Debo, of course, we heard all through offseason. He's upset. He doesn't like the 49ers. It was all money. It was all money. <laughs> there was, uh, maybe there's something we don't know. There's a backstory there, but 
it seemed that it was more than money back in the day, like back in the day three months ago, that he really wanted out of San Francisco. But what he wanted was a new deal, and he got it. And kudos to the 49ers for laying low, not responding, just making it happen. Same with DK, same with the commanders and Terry McLaurin. So we see how these contracts are all interrelated to other contracts. If I'm representing McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, when that A.J. Brown deal happened, you're in. It's golden. Forget the fact it came in a trade and all that. You just want to go to your team and say, okay, now we have a second round pick in 2019 draft, just like all these guys were, first, second, third round. Yeah, it's time. Time to do the deal. And they all did it, and they're very similar deals. Um, and it's just interesting how that happens. So the transformation of the wide receiver marketplace happened in two ways. Number one, the vets, the trades, Tyree Kill and, De and Devontae Adams, the free agency vet, Christian Kirk, and the extension with the same team vet, Cooper Cup. Then we hit the fourth-year players, and four of them. We talk about it again, Debo, DK, Terry McLaurin followed A.J. Brown in this. Deontay Johnson, Pittsburgh Steelers, he may be next. He may be next because he broken the seal. And again, you can argue, as all these teams try to do, on who's better, who deserves it more, who should get it. But at the end of the day, if you're an agent, you're saying, it's my turn. <laughs> it's my turn. It's time. It's time. Um, okay. Last rant. Uh, the Kyler Murray deal. When I podcast about it last week, I'm not sure if it had already been changed over to the fact that they removed the clause. But as a postscript, let's talk about it here. The Cardinals have removed the homework clause. It's the end of an error, E-R-R-O-R. -R -R. The Cardinals put that clause in there. We don't know who leaked it, but Kyler Murray was embarrassed. Kyler Murray was shamed. This idea they had to do homework, they legislated homework into a player contract has never happened before in 30 years in the NFL. I've never seen anything like it. And it was removed. So the shaming of Keller Murray led to the shaming of the Cardinals led to the removal of the clause. Here's my thought. One, it's not just he walks in and can initial an X out of that clause. It's got to be a new contract. And I wonder if the Cardinals are going to give him a little even more money. Now, it's a good deal. He got a lot of money. 105 million over three, as I've talked about, 30 million this year. But do they give me more? Do they give me even more as a financial public apology for what they did? And here's a thought, an interesting thought from a reader that sent me this. Maybe the leaker was Kyler's agent. Now stay with me here. And it's an interesting thought. Kyler's agent is not looking good in all this. And certainly he wouldn't want it out there. And maybe he just didn't want it in there so bad that he finally leaked out that it was in there. And once he leaked out that it was in there, the public outcry got in to get it out of there. It's a perverse idea. One brought, again, to, one brought to me by a reader, a listener. I'm going to give him his props here. Uh, he deserves that. I'm going to go to his name. And it is... Matthew McCall. Matt McCall wrote this in. So good on Matt McCall. That's just an idea. You know, it's a novel idea that the leaker was the agent, Eric Burkhart, in order to get the massive 
negative reaction out there that actually caused the Cardinals to remove the clause. The damage was done. They look bad. Kyler Murray doesn't look so good. And now, as we sit here today, just found out he is out for five days with COVID. It was always going to be a problem with that clause in there if he had a bad game, if he didn't study. And that may still be out there. If he misses a pass, there'll be someone tweeting out about his lack of study habits. Anyway, that's all out there. That's all in there. Kyler Murray does not have an independent study homework clause in his contract as we sit here today, even though he did a week ago today. And that's where we are. Finally, the hold-in, hold-out. I've said this before. In my day, we never had hold-ins, really. We had some upset players, but that's a strategy that's working. It's working in the NFL. DK Metcalf, it worked. He was in there, but he wasn't really practicing. Um, TJ Watt last year, it worked. It worked. We hear about Derwin James with the Chargers not practicing. We hear about Deontay Johnson I just talked about with the Steelers not practicing. We hear about Roquan Smith with the Bears not practicing. You know, again, the Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I don't get fined. That is real stuff with this thing. That is real stuff because that is exactly why they're in there. So they're not getting fined because the CBA penalties for missing camp are strong and severe. So, wow. The hold in seems to be working. It happened with Debo. It happened with Debo. It just happened. So I'm not, not sure, I'll think about this, what the NFL can do about these hold-ins, but this is the strategy now for the new player. Back in the day, there were hold-outs. Hold-outs didn't affect teams, don't affect teams. Like, hey, you're not here, whatever. Out of sight, out of mind. Hold-ins, you're there. And if you have a negative attitude, that can resonate throughout the team, so you don't want that in there. So again, players, agents, hey, hold-ins, they work. Hold-outs don't seem to work. All right, I hope the podcast worked for you guys. Listen, if you're not getting my newsletter, I'm going to get into all this stuff as I do every week. Andrew-Brandt.com is how you sign up. I'm doing daily videos. I'm doing weekly meetings. We're getting instruction on the Sports Business League. That's Andrew-Brandt.com slash SBL, the Sports Business League. Please join that if you can. Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Instagram, where I'm doing some reels at Andrew Brandt 2, Clubhouse ADB 719. Share this podcast with a friend, and if you can give us a good rating, truly would appreciate it. If you want to support the podcast, I'm at Andrew-Brandt-20 on Venmo. Have a great week, everybody, and I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.